All right. Well, how many of you guys know that there is comedy that fits in its own little thing? Like if you're a nurse, there's certain things that you hear that make you laugh harder than everybody else in the room because you're a nurse and you get it. Y'all know that? If you're a realtor, you hear something that realtors know and they laugh harder than everybody else in the room because the realtors know what they're talking about. How many y'all know that, right? Teachers have had a rough go of it these last couple of years. They've been dealing with your kids and now you've had to deal with your kids for a little bit and you're like, man, they don't pay them teachers near enough, right? So yes, teachers have had a rough go of it and they have some very, very funny things out there. I ran across a couple the other day, and you don't know about this, my wife is actually an educator, and so I ran across some funny things that I thought were great, so check this out. This is, when you find out your worst behaved student has three younger siblings, that's your face right there, if you're a teacher. That's it right there. I, I don't know why that man's face makes me laugh, but I love his face, Tracy Morgan. All right, and then this one's great too. Maybe you guys did this when you were young. Student missing 10 assignments. Student doesn't pay attention in class. Student doesn't attend help sessions. And then the last week of December, how can I get an A? And you're like, what? (laughs) It's like, I think they wrote down the student who wants the magical A. I think that's how they termed this one, right? They want it to just automatically happen somehow with no effort or no conscious thought of their own. And I think this one right here sums up what I've been trying to convey. I've said a few different times, I've said it in this way. You don't accidentally bump into a better life. You don't accidentally fall down and brush yourself off and realize that you've been touched with a a life that you would hope that you would be living. Greatness doesn't accidentally happen. It is almost always done on purpose. And if you want to have a great life, if you want to have a great family, If you want to have a great spiritual life, if you want to be in great physical shape, if you want to have a great financial life, that stuff doesn't happen accidentally or automatically. Can I get an amen if you know what I'm talking about? Trust me. Trust me. I I can just go on and on. But let me just say, have you all seen that Will Smith has tweeted out a couple pictures of himself without his shirt on? Y'all know what I'm talking about? He was like, COVID has been unkind to me. He's like, I found 30 extra pounds laying around somewhere and I just picked them up, right? During COVID. That's the same guy that looked like he looked when he was playing Ali. Sorry, ladies. It's real life. I'm sorry. It just happens. It's called age and, I'll just say it, no steroids. Just saying these, uh, these, these actors and actresses. So anyway, but yeah, but this is what I see here. And this is what I want to kind of talk about today And I want to talk about how important it is for us to put God as our true north. So let's go to our next slide here. And you cannot dream yourself into a character. You must hammer and forge yourself into one. And this is capturing what I'm trying to say. For us, we can't accidentally have it happen. We have to be very, very intentional. Now, if you've been paying attention anytime you're here for worship services and teaching and that kind of thing, you might be going, hey, Randy, Aren't we going to do some scripture reading? I didn't forget. I'm going to do it a little different today. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, I'm going to get there in just a second. Acts chapter 20, and then I'm going to have you flip over to Acts chapter 21 or scroll down if you're on your phone or flip over if you're in the old school, you know, the book itself, however you prefer to do it. But let me just share with you, it is so important that we grasp that it is not going to automatically happen. 
This is what Paul was talking about in our one to remember. This passage of scripture from Philippians chapter 3 that has been so powerful and so important for us. It is the one where Paul says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and I'm straining towards those things which are ahead and I'm pressing on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You may be saying, Randy, that's not what the screen says. I get it, but I grew up with a father who was a preacher who was preaching in the King James, and it stuck in my head. This is another reason that you need to make sure and bring your kids, because I can't even tell you how many scriptures come out of my mouth in the King James Version when I wasn't even listening when I was a kid, and yet it found a place in my heart and in my home and in my head even still to this day. I'm almost 51 years old, and those times that I thought I wasn't listening, God was planting seeds in my heart that are growing and producing fruit even right now. So you need to make sure that your kids are consistently and constantly hearing the Word of God. And they can hear it in any version that you want. Just make sure that God's wisdom is flowing to them constantly. That will make a change and that will make a difference. But this passage of Scripture in the King James is just that. He says, I'm going on towards the prize of the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, which I love because I love that Two, sentence, or two, two parts of that sentence which says it's a high calling. And I think in that it reminds me that me and my life is supposed to make an impact and a difference. It's not just something that, hey, just make it to the end and hopefully you don't owe a whole lot of people money at the end of it all, you know. No, it's not that. It needs to be that this world has been changed because I have been changed from the one who walked into our world so that we could all have life and have it, what? More abundantly. And so if we're going to look for that, if we're going to experience that, we can't just simply hope that God's going to overtake. We need to make changes. We need to make decisions. We need to pick up some disciplines. We need to give away some things that we you know, have put into our lives that we should not have. And we need to put some things in that we should have already done, but we didn't. And so it goes on and on and on down the list. And here's what I want to share with you and encourage you with. The truth is, is that it can all sound really, really daunting. It can sound like, well, man, I'm telling you, I've got a list this long of stuff I need to do. Here's what I would say. The incredible way about God and how he has made us is this. And this is very, very practical. In the book called Habits, you will hear it called Small Wins. But what he is saying is, is that habits and patterns of life get changed by making one small adjustment in one specific area. And then it grows to motivation to do something else in another area. That's why literally when people start exercising, they're more apt to eat good and also to quit smoking and some of the other nasty habits that they've got going on, right? So they'll quit that stuff more frequently whenever they are working out. Why? Because if I can show discipline here, it snowballs into discipline there. As a matter of fact, as crazy as this might sound, whenever you start working out, you're more apt to have a better financial situation as well because it goes as a snowball, and small wins build up to, guess what, big wins. And then the long list is not nearly so daunting. It's great how God's made us, but it's also, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I wish in some ways God would attack us with a great life and say, here, I made this for you. It's all you, right? But that's not how it works. We've already said that. We already know. So we have to begin it. 
All right, so as we've been talking about recently the goals, and we talked about the G-O-A-L-S and each one standing for something, we've talked through, we've done service a couple of Sundays actually, we talked about overcoming complications and complacency last Sunday, and by the way, you can always go back and listen to the podcast, you can always go back and look at these on YouTube as well, Um, but today we're going to start off with the one at the very top, the fact that we are putting God's plan as our true north. And his plan superseding our plan, what that looks like, some real practical stuff on how we can make that happen, and also just the idea of saying, okay, who has done this and what does it look like and how can I repeat that same pattern? That's where I ask you guys to turn to Acts chapter 20 and 21. Okay, so very quickly, Dr. David Jeremiah's book is right here and I'm going to be leaning heavily in chapter 6 in this book if you're reading along or if you are going to read later, or if you've decided, you know what, I'm going to get that after all, this would be good, it's in chapter 6. Let's go to this something to learn, and I want to share this with you. God sent Ananias to lay hands upon Saul, who later changed his name, and he became known as Paul. He received his eyesight back that he had before he was struck down. We talked a little bit about this last week. You guys remember he was on the Damascus Road. He was on the back of the donkey. He was struck with blindness from heaven, went down to his knees, and for three days he was unable to see. The change from being unable to see, well, let's start at the beginning, from being able to see to being unable to see to receiving his sight back was a dramatic shift in his life. But God did not allow it to be just on him. He sent a disciple, a man named Ananias, and we're going to talk about him and read about him in just a moment. And so he received his sight back. And when he did that, he told Ananias, you need to go. And Ananias was like, I ain't going. I've heard about this guy. I mean, that's the New Texas version, right? But that's what he said. He's like, I don't want to go face the guy who's been throwing people into prison, Lord. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you didn't get the memo about what he's been doing. No, no, the Lord knew. And he said, no, no, no. I'm, I'm sending you to him. You go. And I'm going to show him, listen, how much he has to suffer for my name. Now, I've done this a couple of times, and I want you guys to maybe give me a little bit of grace and a little bit of understanding here, because this is not scriptural. It's just what I think in my head. Because I, I know you are aware of this, but maybe you haven't ever just put the words to it. The truth of the matter is, is that scripture is a story, right? From start of Genesis to the end of Revelation, it's redemption story. It's the story of God and his work in the world. But here's the thing. If you think you've gotten every single line that got uttered, if you think you've gotten every single facial expression that got made, you have not. You've gotten the overview. You've gotten the highlights. You've gotten the quick Cliff Notes version of stuff. Paul was blind for three days. I promise you, God had his attention as never before. Can I get an amen? Have you ever been there before? Man, when you got knocked off the path that you were on and you were looking around and well all this self-sufficiency that you had before is suddenly gone and then you look around and go God you better show up because I thought I had this but this is a mess I need you now and the sooner the better the thing about God is is that sometimes he makes us wait a little bit but he always shows up to a heart that says I'm desperate to find out what you want to say to me isn't that good isn't that good and so, so here we are, we see Paul blinded, a self-sufficient man, a type A personality who was a get-it-done kind of guy, 
suddenly can't even find his own shoelaces, much less his own door. And he goes to a, a place and God says, I'm sending you to him, Ananias. Ananias is like, I ain't going. He said, yes, you are. You're going to go and you're going to pray for him to receive his sight. He's going to realize this isn't about just him. And it isn't just about him and me. It's about him with everyone. Oh, that's a whole other preaching right there, right? But he sends him. And let's, let's read about it. I think it's right here on this next slide. Very quickly from Acts chapter 9, verses 13 and 14. Lord, Ananias said, I've heard about many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with the authority of the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name including me. <laughs> that's what he's saying, right? That's what he's saying. He's not saying it, but that's what he's saying. Let's go to our next slide. But the Lord said, Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name. All right, so listen. How many of you would love to be on God's plan? We'd all love to be on God's plan. But that last line bothers me. Getting on God's plan for Paul meant he had to what? Yeah, I'm not really good with that. <laughs> I'm good with getting on God's plan. But then when you start using that suffer word, I'm like, mm, not, not as excited anymore. Right? I mean, can we be honest here? Can we just call it like it is? That's where we're at. But isn't it interesting? Did you miss? I don't know, for me personally, I see the last thing and I'm all wrapped up in suffer and I forget that what he said is that I'm going to stand before kings as God's chosen voice and instrument. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we do this, don't we? God says, here's the great thing that's going to happen and oh, by the way, it's going to cost you more than you thought. Have you ever noticed, do you remember whenever Jesus' birth was declared to Mary? Do you all remember what happened? The, the angel spoke to him and he said, and you're going to have a child and this is going to be a beautiful thing and you're going to call him Jesus, but also remember, there's a sword that's also going to pierce your own soul. In other words, you're going to be forever changed and hurt in ways that you've never been hurt before, but you're also going to be the woman with the front row seat to the greatest life that ever has been lived nor will be lived. So it's amazing with a little bit of bittersweet. This is amazing with a little bit of bittersweet. Can I tell you, the bittersweet for most modern Christians is this, your plan has to die. Whatever it looks like, it won't be what you thought it was going to be. Not if it's really God's plan. As a guy who's tried to follow God's plan a lot of the time in my life, I'm here to tell you it almost never works out the way that I anticipated it working out. I'm not saying I do it all the time. I know y'all thought I was a preacher and I was supposed to do it all the time. I'm supposed to do it all the time just like y'all, but it's hard at times, right? Can, can somebody give me a little bit of support out here, right? Okay, all right, so it's not just me. It's not just me. It's you, it's me. We get off track and we need him to return us, but it's never like we anticipated from the very beginning. It's gonna be great, but here's the little bit of bittersweet. That's what's going on with Paul. And also, by the way, if you were here last week, you know that I think this is where the damage was done to his eyes and it was the thorn in the flesh that never left him. You can go back and look at that if you haven't heard. Let's go to our next slide here very quickly. 
Oh, this is the big idea. The big idea is life isn't about you using God for your purposes. Life is about God using you for his purposes. That's what Dr. David Jeremiah says in that book forward that I've been recommending to you. And I think it's a great, great observation. Life isn't about you using God for your purposes. Life is about God using you for his purposes. And can we just be honest? Here in 2022, in modern Christianity... We've got lots of people trying to tell us the way that we make God get on our plan and schedule. Isn't that true? That's true. Here's how you do it. Here's the four-step process to make sure that every single prayer that you ever ask God gets answered the way that you want it. Man, how small does your God need to be to answer to somebody like you and me? Ooh, that rhymed. Wow, that rhymed. I didn't intend that to rhyme. I didn't even actually intend to say that, but saying something. So Paul already knew that he was about to be arrested. If you look at the passage of Scripture in the book of Acts, he keeps getting warned. But I think what had happened, and this is just pure speculation again on my part, I think somewhere along the line, God had said to him, you know what, Paul, this is going to be great. But there's also going to be some bittersweet. There's going to be some stuff that you don't want, but it's going to be necessary. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to suffer for my name. I think that's what he was telling him during those days. Paul, you are going to be an amazing instrument in my hands. I'm going to use you in ways that you never, ever, ever would have thought. But it's going to cost you everything that you've got. There are going to be days that you wish you didn't have to get out of bed but your passion will drive you. It's going to compel you to get out of bed and go and preach. And even when you know you probably ought to shut your mouth, you won't be able to because you just can't stop talking about what I've done for you. This is all going to happen, but you're going to have to suffer when that does happen. This is Paul's story. This is Paul's life. Go back and read the book of Acts or join us on Wednesday night and read the book of Acts and you can see what's going on with Paul and what's happening. And he gets on God's plan instead of trying to put God on his. It's a big difference. Paul knew that he was going to be arrested. Let's go to our next slide here. Acts chapter 20. And maybe you have that in your books there, in your Bibles, in your phones, and you want to kind of follow along. I'm going to give you just a second to find that in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 24. And then we're going to keep reading <coughs> Excuse me, just a few more verses as well in the next chapter. So let's begin with Acts chapter 20. If you did not bring your scriptures you know, or do not yet have a Bible app downloaded, man, feel free to do that. Please do that. That way God's word is always right here and it's as close as your cell phone. And if you're like me, man, your cell phone never leaves your side. So Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 24. And now compelled by the spirit, this is Paul talking. You can see the, the, quote, for the, uh, the quote for the Bible and then the quote for Paul saying what he's saying. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what is going to happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. In other words, I have a high calling on this life. I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm pressing towards those things which are ahead. Good stuff, right? Let's go on to this next slide here. 
This is in Acts chapter 21, and I'll give you just a moment to find that. If you want, just kind of scroll down or turn the page. This is two slides worth of scriptures, so we're going to read a little further and a little longer. Acts chapter 21, verse 8 through 11, and then we finish 11 on the next slide. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He's one of the seven deacons at that time. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. By the way, this is why this scripture right here is a scripture I live by. If you wonder why I stopped at three girls, it's because I knew that the fourth girl you know, was out there waiting for me if I kept going. And Shelly said, you want to try one more time for a boy? No, it ain't happening. It's scriptural. I'm sorry. It just ain't going to happen. Let's stop now. Too many weddings to pay for already. So are y'all impressed with my spirit? Never mind. Anyway, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt and he tied his own hands and feet with it. And he said... In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owners of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And then when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm not only ready to be bound, but I'm ready to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Man, if you can't get fired up about Paul being Paul... I don't know what will do it for you. I mean, he is so inspiring. And, and let's be very clear. How many of us would be saying to the Lord, okay, Lord, I've been hearing some things like prison, and I've been hearing hardships, and I've been hearing beatings, and I've been hearing stonings. I've been hearing bad stuff. What's plan B? <laughs> Where are we going? What's the change in the plan? You know, second plan first is the same. You know, same plan. You keep going to Jerusalem that's what I was telling you about, these things that you have to suffer for my name. But I'm going to use you in amazing ways when I do. And so Paul, somewhere along the line in his life, comes to peace with the fact that it's going to cost him. But he is going to give himself and pour himself out so that God's work and plan might be accomplished in his life. See where I'm going with this? Y'all see where I'm going with this? What I'm trying to say is, I need more of that. We, as a church, need more of that. We, as people in 2022, need more of that. We just don't have a whole lot of that in our lives, do we? Not in my character, I don't. When I hear prison and hardships, I'm like, okay, Lord, change the plan, or I'll change it for us, because somebody's got to. I'll probably even slap God's name on it. God told me I don't need to go because I'm going to hardships and prison. God told me to change the plan. Mm, Paul had heard from God, even though it's going to be hard, you're going to go through it, but it's also going to be incredibly powerful and useful. Okay, so here's where I just stop talking about Bible stuff and start talking about your stuff, my stuff. What is it that you're running away from that would make your life greater and make a greater impact, but you've chosen comfort over greatness. What is it that God has placed in your path that in order to follow his plan, you know you have to have some things die on your agenda and some things that you have to pick up in your life to get on his agenda and you don't want to do it. You see what I'm saying? This is for all of us. 
and we talk about wanting to be on God's plan, yeah, we want that as long as it doesn't hurt. And then the moment that it gets uncomfortable and it hurts, we start looking around going, that's not have been God's plan. <laughs> I don't know if we've read our Bibles very much these days, but that guy named Jesus that we pattern all of our life after, it didn't end well for him here. And yet it ended well for us because of him being here. And he was willing to go through it, not for the joy of being tortured and beaten and crucified, but for the joy that would bring us as we would be reunited with holy God. Big difference, right? And so if we are not willing to say, even if it hurts God, I want to do your will. Even if it hurts God, I'm willing to get on your plan and get off my own. Then we've missed what biblical Christianity is supposed to be about. And yeah, I say God's plan is key to us being in a better place and living a better life and having a better journey in 2022 than we've had. The reason that it comes first is not just because it's the G, it's because it's the first thing. God is our true north. We go and follow him wherever he may go. End of story, end of discussion. He chooses I don't get to because he's God and I'm just me. Right? For all of us. All right, so let me keep moving here. Let's talk about that big idea one more time. And I want you guys to say it with me in just a moment. So I'm going to say it one more time, and then you guys can join me on the count of three, okay? So life isn't about you using God for your purposes. Life is about God using you for his purposes. Can y'all say it with me? Life isn't about you using God for your purposes Life is about God using you for his purposes. Let's go to our next slide. This is so interesting to me, and this is something from the, the forward book. And so you could, you know, kind of get this piece and this part. When the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s, it was always in the singular. In other words, it always meant prior, what came before and what was important. So it was a prior thing. You guys with me? Y'all understand? There was no plural of prior. But then in the 1900s, we started saying, well, you don't need to just focus on one thing. You got a lot of things. So now we start talking all the time about clearing up our priorities. And suddenly we made a singular word and something that was referring to a singular focus. And we made it plural. Thinking that in the 1900s, we were smart enough, technology had brought us far enough that we could make it and do it all and have it all. How many of you have tried to have it all and realized it doesn't work? It don't work. It just doesn't work. Every time you try to have it all, you realize, no, 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 this is going to be a hierarchy and I've got to choose what is number one. And can I just say, it's just a recommendation, just... Yeah, I, let me see if something comes to me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you as well. First, prior, the one, the singular, the thing, not priorities, priority. This is why I become a better father, husband, preacher, pastor, friend, son, brother, all whenever I get my priority right, not my priorities right. Are you guys with me? Good stuff. 
Um, I say it's good stuff, not because I put it on the screen, but because I thought I read that. I was like, hold on, I got to hear that again. I like rewound it about four times just to make sure I had it just right. So good. So powerful. Let's go to our next slide. And we talked about this last week. If you were here, sorry for the repeat, but we talked about word scramble, which, you know, it's not really word. It's more letter scramble, to be honest, right? But there we are. If we get things on our list out of whack and out of order, this is what happens. O-Y-J. It's others, then yourself, then Jesus. Not going to work. Y-J-O. Yourself, then Jesus, then others. That's not going to work either. But if you're looking for real and lasting joy, it's all of these elements. And in this order only, it's Jesus first, then others and then yourself. This is the only way it works. So don't miss this. If you don't miss this slide here, go to the next one. Uh, Real and lasting joy only comes when your life's priorities are all present and in the right order. It's Jesus, others, then yourself. All right, let's keep moving here. And as we go a little further, how do you do that? You may be saying, well, Randy, this is all good. Great, sounds terrific, but I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to do that if I wanted to do that. Ain't saying yet that I do, but if I were, I don't even know how to start. Here's how you start. You got to know God's word. I know that sounds so preacher. I know that sounds so preacher. I'd love to give you something else, but nothing else works. Because if you want the mind of Christ, if you want the priorities of Christ, if you want God to be your true north, then you better know where he's at. And the only way to know where God is is not by your feelings, but by the facts and the truth of God's word that never changes. Get it on your phone, and you can listen to it as you drive. Get it on your phone, and you can read it when you're standing in line. (laughs) Listen to it anytime and anywhere, everywhere that you can, and the more that it becomes a part of your life, the more you will get a sense when you can see the fingerprints of God when stuff starts changing, and you're like, God's in this, and I can feel it. Or when you can see something different happening and you're like, oh, no, no, (laughs) this doesn't make any sense up here, but there is something about that that feels like God is in the middle of that. You got to know his word to know where he's at. I don't think I'm supposed to end the sentences with prepositions, but you know where I'm talking about, right? You got to know where he's at. All right, so how do you do that? You know God's word and then you follow God's way. Because the truth of the matter is, is a lot of us know what's right and what's wrong. It's just not as easy to follow through and do what's right and wrong, even when we know it. Sorry. True story. Happens like that in the preacher's house too, by the way. The things I know that I ought to do sometimes can be very, very hard to follow through on, but it's important. And so if I want to know where God's at and I want to go where God's at, I got to know God's word and I got to follow God's way. Let's go on to this next slide. There's five free tools. I talked about this. And uh, alarmed or to-doist is basically an alarm for your tasks. So if you have said, you know what, I need to read the Bible every single day, set an alarm. It goes off every single day and you're like, oh, what is that? Somebody calling me? No, no, no. Nobody's calling me. Oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be listening to God's word on my app. Or you know what, I'm supposed to take in, you know, on this 15-minute break that I'm about to take, I'm supposed to read the scriptures or listen to them or whatever. You can do charting for goals with the Strides app. You can do the pause one-minute app, and that is one that I have. As a matter of fact, it hits me every 10.25 a.m., and then at 3.16 p.m., it tells me 
Pause what you're doing and take a minute and just think about the Lord and let him speak to you and give over the difficulties that you're facing to him. It's called the the One Minute Pause app. You can look it up online. Good stuff. And then the Bible Gateway app and then a podcast app. So if you're a person that says, you know what, I... I want to be better and I want to go down that road, but I don't always know what to do. And when I read the scripture, I don't always fully understand it. Get that podcast app and start listening to teachers and preachers who will put you in the right direction on the things that you can change in your life by growing closer to God. Let's go to this next slide. This is the third thing. Okay, but how do I do it? You know God's word, you follow God's way, and then you follow your own gifts, passions, and opportunities. You see how we got God in the, in the right place? We prioritized God, and now it's finally your turn. You start looking within and go, okay, so what do I love? What, what do I have that I can bring to the table that is a small amount of giftedness? Or, or what are the opportunities that are in front of me? These are things that can tell you where God is leading you, and you can get on God's plan rather than your own. <laughs> this is a cool story. Check this out. Go to our next slide. <laughs> Inc. 180. I, I, it, it, I, I have, let's see how many tattoos do I have? Zero. Anyway, I have zero tattoos, but I love tattoos. I think they're really cool. I think they're awesome. By the way, if you are embarrassed about showing your ink uh, here at the church, don't be. You can bring it. It's all good. Um, ink 180 is a great story. This guy, his name is Chris Baker. He grew up on the south side of Chicago and came to know the Lord later in his life. A guy who basically had become a tattoo artist. He was kind of a a rough guy as he grew up, came to know the Lord, and he decided, you know what, I've been teaching Sunday school at my church after giving my heart to the Lord, and I tell these boys in my Sunday school class constantly, give your heart to the Lord and ask that he would use you in whatever way and let him reveal what he wants to do in your life. And he's like, I was telling those boys that same thing, and I was not living that same kind of advice for myself. And so he said, I started thinking I should take my own advice. So he started praying, and he got a burden. And his burden was that he knew a lot of gangbangers that were trying to get out of the life, that couldn't get out of the life because every time they were seen wherever they went, they had tattoos that identified them as gangbangers. Hard for them to get out. He also began the ministry called 180. And if you get no idea what I'm talking about, it's a 180 degree shift in your life going for my path versus God's path. It's 180 ink. You guys with me? By the way, if I do get a tattoo, it's probably going to be by this guy. He's in Chicago. So if you ever hear Pastor Randy's in Chicago, (laughs) y'all pray for me and take an offering because I've heard these are expensive, right? By the way, I'm not just making a joke, they're free. This guy said, this is my ministry, this is what I do. So if you're a gangbanger and you want to get out of the life, I'm here to help you and it's not going to cost you a dime. All you got to do is show up at my shop and I'll help you to get out of that life in the name of Jesus. That's good stuff. Like you can probably see some of this. Some of y'all ain't even listening anyway. (laughs) Kidding, kidding. Inc. 180 is a full service facility that places strong emphasis on the customer experience. Realize going in for your first tattoo, all this stuff. It's just like a regular tattoo shop. But notice if you go on that link there and if you see it at the bottom, it says all of these tattoos are done by donation. Not a dime will be charged. 
That's why he said, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? All these other things, guess what's happening? They're being added to him as well. He said, well, who am I? What do I have a passion for? What are my opportunities? And what's my situation? Hey, this doesn't fit. (laughs) You know, a church with tattoos and blah, blah, blah. This just doesn't seem like the normal, quote unquote, traditional thing. And God said, that's not important to me. I can use you if you'll be willing to be used. And off he went. And people are being changed. They heard about his ministry. They shifted and they said, would you come and speak to the people in the Homeland Security office? He went. He talked to them. He found out what they were seeing. And yes, they were definitely trying to do some things to help the gangbangers get out of those you know, things. You, you know things are crazy in Chicago, especially on the south side. And so he was helping them, but in that meeting with the law enforcement group that was trying to prevent these gang wars and things, he heard that there was another problem. It was called human trafficking. You have heard a lot about that. In human trafficking, did you know that literally some of the people that are being trafficked literally have barcode tattoos across their necks and bases of their skulls? Their property. Their property. But guess who can do a cover-up on that tattoo? Guy who is doing 180 Ink said, you know what, now I've got two focuses. <laughs> I'm not just going to help the gangbangers get out, but these women who are being put into sex slavery and things of that nature, I'm going to get them out of that place where they always feel like they're somebody else's property. And those people that literally can come after them because they see on their backs of their necks or the arms that they have or their hands or their wrists right here, whatever it might be, they can identify who they are and they drag them back into that life when they're trying to get out. He can put something else on there instead to cover it up so they've got a better chance of getting out of that life. (laughs) Who knew God could do something with some dude coated head to toe, you know, in tattoos? You'd be amazed at what God can do that doesn't fit our box But it's God doing God things with God's people who are finally getting on God's plan. Amen? Isn't that awesome? So good. All right, so let's go to our next slide here very quickly. This is how you do that. You follow your gifts, passions, and opportunities, and then you work to make a difference, not a dollar. That's what we just talked about. And I won't go too much further because I'm getting close to being out of time. Okay, so these are the ways that you do these things. This is how you get on God's plan. And suddenly your life changes. So here's what you need to take and here's what you need to leave behind. Let's begin. What do you need to take? Go ahead. Oh, I already said something about Matthew chapter 6, but I wanted to throw this in. No one can serve two masters. I forgot about this slide. It's so important for us to remember that we will be making a choice whether we want to or not. We will make a choice. <laughs> Prior is the only one, not priorities. Let's go to our next slide. And this is what we need to take and what we need to leave behind. Here's what to take. Knowledge that God's touch transforms lives along with God's eye-opening view of your gifts and opportunities and passion. What he sees that you don't, but your gifts, your opportunities, your passion for certain things that might not even, you might not even know how they fit into God's plan. But God knows. You get on God's plan, he can still make that difference and that impact. So what do you take? You take the fact that God can do all things if you will surrender. 
And these are the things that he's already put in you to direct you where he wants you on his plan. That's what you take. And this is what you leave. What we leave behind are dreams of an easy life. Paul didn't get the easy life, but he got the powerful one. He didn't get the easy path, but he got the powerful one that changed the course of human history. All because he was willing to suffer for the name of Christ. And he knew exactly what he was getting and what he was getting into. But he said, I'm in anyway. He told the friends, he said, listen, you're breaking my heart. I'm telling you, you're breaking my heart. But maybe you don't know who I am. I'm ready to give myself to the prison cell. I'm ready to give myself to being burned at the stake and crucified on a cross if that's what it takes because I am here to do God's plan, not Paul's plan. It's so important that we grasp Paul became who he became because that was how passionate he was about following God's plan rather than his own. It gives him impact. It gives him purpose. And by the way, can I tell you something? We think that we're doing these favors for God and that it's going to be a drudgery. I'm here to tell you that the things that I have chosen in my life that have been in pursuit of God's plan for me are the things that have brought me the greatest fulfillment in my entire life. And sacrifices, maybe a few, maybe a few. Nothing compared to the return. Nothing that even shows even a tiny bit of light on the return in my life. It's God's plan for me, not just because I know that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm telling you, I've done them both ways. And God's plan is so much better than mine every time. Have you ever felt like you got to the top of the ladder and realized it was leaning against the wrong house in the first place? Isn't it a crime to come to the end of your life and say, I pursued all these things and I succeeded in all these things and I looked around, I got everything I ever wanted and I don't want anything I got. It happens all the time. Let's go to our last couple of slides here. Big question, what are your gifts, passions, and opportunities, and are you using them for God, or are you using them for you? Are you using them at all? Well, this is where life begins to take on meaning and purpose, have intention and joy whenever we get on God's plan rather than our own. Here's how you can apply this message. You identify how you could be a blessing, and then you identify who you can bless and then you roll up your sleeves and you get busy doing it. That's it. <laughs> this isn't rocket science. This isn't hard. I've talked about this to encourage, challenge, and you know, hopefully get you out there and get you going. But look, this ain't hard. It's not hard to find it. It's hard to follow it. That's how God's plan usually is. It's not hard to find it. It's hard to follow it and follow up with it. That's it. So I say for all of us, if that's what we're looking for, let's get on God's plan and let's move. All right, very quickly, I'm going to do two quick stories, and it starts in the same place. This next slide, do any of you guys know what this is? Take a, take a wild guess. You probably don't know, but you know. It's Mount Everest, right? You, you know, right? I mean, you see this big, huge mountain, the tallest mountain in all of the world. So it attracts people from all over the world to go and achieve something that most cannot dangerous. It's literally somewhere in the neighborhood of about six miles up. And if you've ever been in Denver and gone, 
oh, it's in better shape than this. You're one mile up, and that's thin air that you're not getting near enough of. Imagine being six miles up into the atmosphere, struggling to get your breath. That's why so many people die of epoxia. I think that's how you say it. I'm pretending to be smarter than I am. Y'all bear with me. It's the lack of oxygen. And so people die going up to Everest. The first man who ever went up there was this cool-looking dude right here, Sir Edmund Hillary. What a stud. What a great guy. He's like, you know, that's the highest mountain in the world. Nobody's ever been up there. I'm going to do it. Off he went. He accomplished it. And they asked him, what did you experience whenever you achieved that highest mountain in the world? Here's what he said. He said, I had this overwhelming sense of accomplishment. And then, just a few moments later, desolation set in because I thought to myself, so now... What else is there to do? There was a man whose name was John Krakauer, and he wrote a book called Into Thin Air. He lost some friends as he made that summit push to go up to um, you know, the, the summit of Everest. He pushed on rather than stopping, and he said these words. This is his quote. I had fantasized about this moment, achieving the summit of Everest, Fantasize about this moment and the release of emotion that would accompany it for many, many months. Now I was actually standing at the peak of Mount Everest and I just couldn't summon the energy to care. I snapped four quick photos, probably one facing east, west, north, and south. And then I turned around and started heading down. I looked at my watch and it read 1.17 p.m. All told something that he had been looking forward towards for months and maybe even years and maybe even a lifetime. He said, all told, I spent less than five minutes at the rooftop of the world. (laughs) The man got everything that he had dreamed of and just couldn't find the energy to summon up to even care. Wow. Can I tell you something? I genuinely believe that there will be people that stand before God to give an account of their life. And they will look around and say, what in the world did I choose to do? And why in the world did I think that was the best idea? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's funny though, you look at Paul and what does he say? For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Different life. Different guy. Different plan than yours and mine, but it's God's plan. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you have not left us here in this world wondering what to do with our lives, but instead, God, you have given us everything that we need. (laughs) You've given us a path to follow, a God to know, a true north to head towards, and you've given us power for the day when we lack it. God, we we ask of nothing else. We need nothing else but you. And so God, just use us for your purposes and for your plan. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together,